This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Dear listeners, and welcome to episode number nine of Let's Get Real on Film Geek Radio. I'm Andrew Johnson, and this is the show where we talk with filmmakers, producers, actors, writers, and other people in the business about their work. Coming up, my Cinema Fix co-host Monica Castillo talks to filmmaker Richard Rowley about the documentary he directed, Dirty Wars, which is based on the book of the same name by journalist Jeremy Scahill. The movie follows Scahill as he travels to Afghanistan, Yemen, Somalia, and other places the U.S. has taken military action, and investigates just what exactly it is we're doing in the name of stopping terrorism. He talks with U.S. Special Forces officers, CIA officials, military generals, and politicians in other countries backed by the United States about drone strikes and assassinations, and whether there's a dark side to the war on terror that perhaps we just aren't seeing. Now, I have not seen the film, but I know who Jeremy Scahill is, I've been following some of the stuff he covers in Dirty Wars, and I'm definitely going to go see it as soon as it opens in my area. He brings up a lot of important and fascinating issues that we need to be discussing, and I'm sure that director Richard Rowley will be able to provide a lot of insight into what exactly goes on overseas, as well as the process of filming a movie like this. Now, this interview was conducted over the phone, so I apologize if the quality is a bit below average. We've got some other interviews coming out soon that were done in person and over Skype, and that tends to yield better results in terms of audio quality, but that isn't always possible, so bear with us. And uh, without further ado, here is Monica Castillo talking to director Richard Rowley about the documentary Dirty Wars. Hey, Monica. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for shooting such an incredible film. I mean, it's a hell of a story. Thanks. How did you even come across Dirty Wars? Did you read the book first? Uh, No, no. I mean, I've known Jeremy for over a decade. I mean, we first became very close when we were both covering the Iraq War, uh, Uh which, you know, I spent many years as an unbedded camera man there. Um, And so we both covered these wars for a long time, and we were both looking at Afghanistan after Obama was elected and the surge began there. Uh, and we were both tracking the same process. I was embedded and unembedded all over the country, and I was seeing uh, that the conventional war was being eclipsed by this covert war. So Jeremy and I set off on our first trip to Afghanistan in order to make a film about just that, a, a film and a writing project just about Afghanistan. So, you know, it wasn't a film based on a book or a book based on a film. It was a film investigation that was happening and unfolding in real time. And I think you can feel that when you see the film, that it's not, we aren't going back and reconstructing interviews that were already done for a book. All the revelations are happening in real time on the camera. And it was, a, a, you know, a revelations all along the way. We never imagined when we began in Gardez that the story of that family in Gardez, Afghanistan, would take us to the streets of Mogadishu or to Yemen or beyond. And we certainly, neither of us, imagined that we, we began interviewing Afghan victims of night raids, that we would end the film talking to U.S. citizens who were targeted by the same uh, units. So it was a, a harrowing journey of discovery for both Jeremy along the, along the entire path. So it was started simultaneously, right? Yeah, yeah. And in the end, I mean, the, the film premiered at Sundance right before the book came out. And the book premiered uh, or right before the book was finished and, and finally delivered to the publisher. And the book was released a month before the film came out. So they're both 
they're they're as close to simultaneous as it's possible for uh, a film and a, and a and a book to be. Yeah, uh, have you been surprised by the reception? It's been wonderful. Uh, when we began this three years ago, uh, you know, there was really no discussion in the mainstream about most of the core issues of the war on terror. There was little discussion of drones or of assassination yep. lists or of, uh, you know, the civil liberties and, you know, the recent NSA revelations about spying on Americans. Uh, you know, there was a discussion of this on the fringes in, you know, public radio and in some progressive print. But in the last few months, it's this debate and this discussion has really worked its way off of the fringes and into the, uh, the editorial pages of the New York Times and, and uh, Washington Post. And it's made its way from, you know, public radio into the, you know, this film is opening in over 40 cities around the country, into downtown theaters where they're bringing stories that were were completely unknown and in secret for, for over a decade. So it really feels like, like there's a sea change happening. Um, in American public opinion. I mean, we were afraid when we began this film that it would fall on deaf ears, it would be ignored, uh, because people weren't ready to, to hear it or talk about it. But it really, the timing of it feels perfect now. I mean, it feels like this, we hope this film can be part of the beginning of a national discussion that should have happened a really long time ago about how this war is being fought around the world, what it's doing to the world, and what it's doing to us as a country. Yeah, right now we have um, the whole NSA scandal that's going on now. And it's almost like people are taking that as a covert war on its own citizens, and spying and keeping all this information on tap. Part of the one of the yeah. harrowing scenes that's going that's in your movie is uh, when Jeremy's testifying in front of a panel of uh, senators, I think, or representatives, and one of them the, just walks away. It's just, yeah. It was falling on deaf ears, and it wasn't getting to the point, and now people are demanding answers. Are you hoping that this will be a part of a movement that will lead to more transparency? Absolutely. I mean, the global war on terror is the most important story of our generation. It's, a, it's the longest war in American history. It's a war that's killed hundreds of thousands of people, thousands of American uh, servicemen and women. Uh, it's a war that's cost untold billions of, of, of dollars. And it's a war that has fundamentally changed the nature of our republic. Not just in terms of, you know, the, the rights to privacy and, and surveillance that the, that the executive wing is taking, but also the executive wing has assumed the right to execute foreigners and American citizens alike uh, without trial or even formal legal charges. So this war is an incredibly important story, and yet it's unfolding almost entirely in the shadow. We made this film to try to bring that out of the shadows into the light so that we can begin this discussion about, about what's been happening. All these decisions over the last 12 years about who we are as a people, uh, what our, what, what the nature of the public is, and what our, our, our position in the world will be. All these decisions have been made in secret, without any public debate, without any oversight, without any participation of the American people. So we need to begin to, I mean, I hope, I, I think we see this pressure building. There's a growing public dissent against these programs, and that's what forces the President of the United States to come out and for the first time publicly address these issues and try to get ahead of the story. I hope that that pressure can continue to build to the point where some of the words in the president's speech can be turned into a reality. And especially, you know, when he said, someday this borderless war is going to have to come to an end. I mean, this is a president who accelerated that, that covert war and made it even more borderless. Under the Bush administration, uh, JSOC, one of the units profiled in the film, was authorized to operate in 26 countries off of the stated battlefield uh, under the HUNX, or the Al-Qaeda Network Execute Order. Uh, under Obama, that has expanded to over 70 countries. So when the president says 
the global war someday needs to come to an end, I hope that the pressure builds to the point where that those words can be turned into a reality. Back to the story. It took you three years to do all of this. How were you able to connect the dots from one case to the next case to the next incident? Especially since yeah, it's on a we... global scale, and it's not mm-hmm. anything that they wanted you to find. <laughs> you had to work hard. Yeah. No, it's it's true. I mean, it's uh, the billions of dollars was spent to keep these stories hidden from the American people. An mm-hmm. immense uh, political and uh, legal work was done to hide it as well. I mean, the crackdown on whistleblowers under this regime is more aggressive, or this administration is more aggressive than it has been under uh, under any administration in, in living memory. I mean, Jeremy did amazing. He, he's our generation's great investigative journalist. He did amazing work to, to cultivate sources who would be willing to go on the record and talk about these things publicly and to dig in and connect the dots of uh, information that became available through WikiLeaks and other places. The process of editing and finding an arc that could cut through all of this chaos and violence we were filming around the world was the you know the central problem of the film. We spent three years working on it. We were editing as we were filming. It was the only way that it could be manageable, uh, that I, I would edit each country you know while we were on location and then when we came back. And then uh, two years into the project, we brought on board this great fiction film director and screenwriter, David Riker, who made this uh, a film called The Girl uh, that came out this year, and then also a film called La Ciudad, uh, you know, 10 years ago that was a beautiful film about Mexican immigrants in New York that was very important to us. And he really helped us find the story at the, at the core of it, and, and it really helped us thread it all together in a way that would have the, you know, the power and the impact and the depth and the kind of momentum of a, of a, of a fiction feature while remaining, you know, passionately committed to the, the truth and the facts and the, and the, the granular specificity of a documentary. Have you heard anything yet from the Obama administration? You know, we, we haven't yet, but we really believe that change comes from below. That, um, mm-hmm. and so we're more interested in the response from you know, the audiences in Detroit and Milwaukee and Cleveland who go and see the film. Uh, you know, because that's, I have a lot more faith in, in, in those people than I do in the people up on Capitol Hill. Um, I think that, you know, that, that it's going to take a change in sentiment in the, uh, uh, at the grassroots, uh, and then that is going to, you know, trickle up and turn into change in Washington. And that's the only way that the change ever happens, in my opinion. Uh, according to one of the things I read online, some of the incidents that were in the movie are under investigation. Is that still the case? Under investigation by who? Well, some investigation in some branch of the government. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're still trying to get to the bottom of, uh, of why Anwar Alaki's 16-year-old son, Abdul Rahman, was killed uh, in a yeah. drone strike. There's a 16-year-old boy who had, there's no allegation anywhere that he was involved with any kind of insurgent activity at all. He, you know, we became very close to that family. We read his entire Facebook page, looked at all his photos. You know, I mean, he seemed like a very sweet boy who was just this goofy kid who uh, who liked hip-hop and hanging out with his friends and, and whatever. Uh, and two weeks after his father was killed in a drone strike, hundreds of miles away from where his father was, he was out sitting one night under the stars uh, at an outdoor restaurant having dinner with a few of his cousins and friends from the, from his tribe, and uh, and a drone came over and wiped them all out. Uh, and there's no real explanation for, for why that happened. Uh, the president, in his speech uh, a couple of weeks ago, addressed the issue for the first time publicly. Um, 
he wouldn't say Abdul Rahman's name, but he said you know, there were four Americans killed uh, in these strikes, and only one of them was specifically targeted. So he's saying then that uh, three out of four Americans weren't even weren't even targets. But 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 even that wording is strange and raises more questions than it answers. He didn't say he wasn't targeted. He said he wasn't specifically targeted. So. Uh, what, what does that mean? Was he part of a signature strike? I mean, these strikes where they uh, where they'll kill people who they don't know and can identify simply based on what they call pattern of behavior. I mean, where they say any military male in parts of Yemen out at night is probably an insurgent, so we'll kill them even if we don't know their name. I mean, is that how he's killed? We don't we don't know, and there you know, and there has been no 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 explanation. So Jeremy is still you know is committed to pushing and trying to find out why this kid was killed, why this boy died. That's a really tough case to watch, especially because he is he was a US citizen. Um Yeah, yeah, he was born he was born in Colorado. Um yeah. you know, he's, he's yeah, he's he's a, just a, a, a American kid. I mean anyone who sees the film will see, you know will will see that come through. So this is a big mess on the global scale, loss of life, loss of innocent civilians. How would you like to see the wars end in both Iraq and Afghanistan? So, uh, you know, we're not politicians and we're not pundits. Uh, we don't have a partisan axe to grind on this. We don't have a 12-point program for how na- American national security policy should be reformed. Really, we're, we're journalists and filmmakers who believe that uh, the American people have a right to know what's being mm-hmm. done in their name around the world. And so we made this film... And we end this film with a series of questions, questions that we hope all Americans should be asking. And we need to be, you know, we both have a, a right and responsibility to know and to question what our government's doing around the world. So rather than have answers to this, I think it's, it's, it's high time, it's past time uh, that we begin as a nation to have a discussion about how this war is going to be fought. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that was Monica Castillo interviewing Richard Rowley about Dirty Wars, which is currently playing in select cities. Definitely go check it out if you get a chance. As always, you can contact the show by emailing Let's Get Real at filmgeekradio.com. You can always comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com and go there to find show notes for each episode. Don't forget, if you like the show, you can subscribe through iTunes. Uh, You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. Every little bit counts and helps ensure that we can keep providing you with great content and a wide variety of programming. Be sure to check out other great shows on Film Week Radio, including Cinema Fix and The Thin Place. I'm Andrew Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. And you can follow Monica at MCastingMovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Let's Get Real. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!